Hi, I'm Gabby. Welcome to the first episode of the Happier Life Project 2024. This is the podcast that helps you to navigate through the stress and pressures of life by sharing conversations with world-leading experts in the well-being and mental health industry. And we are starting the new year with a bang. Today's guest is going to shift your attitude towards movement and fitness. I know that's a bold assumption, but I stand by it. Just you wait. According to the IHRSA, the Global Health and Fitness Association, 12% of all gym signups happen in January, while the rest of the year accounts for an average of 8.3% of signups. And according to data correlated in 2023, 80% of people who signed up for a gym membership in January will cancel their membership within five months. It's called the January Gym Rush, a result of a concoction of January being a time to consider how you want to set the bar for the rest of the year, feeling guilty for indulging through December, and then the bombardment of advertising telling us how we should look and how we should feel and how this diet plan, this workout program or this gym membership will allow you to achieve this in a short space of time. The stats prove what we all know deep down inside. These new year, new me diet plans and fitness programs, for the most part, don't work. Now, that's not at all to say if you want to start the year with good intentions and are motivated to become healthier or fitter, you shouldn't go for it. Rather, the purpose of this episode is to be jazzed and motivated to move more by really understanding how exercise plays such a vital role in our mental health, as much, if not maybe even more, than our physical health. And rather than setting goals around changing our body, what if we hit the gym or a YouTube video or outside to help us sleep better, feel more confident, resilient, less anxious and improve our mood? What would happen if rather than working out to enhance ourselves physically and seeing the mental health benefits as a bonus, we flipped it and worked out for our mental and emotional health and the physical benefits were a bonus. Frustrated by the lack of mental health support available for gym goers, today's guest, Dan Hancock, AKA the mental health PT, took it upon himself to create the world's first mental health and exercise coaching certificate for personal trainers which is revitalizing the health of millions of people across the UK. Dan passionately believes in doing what works for you and what you enjoy is the key to a healthy, long-lasting relationship with exercise. So, ready to find a healthier, happier you? Let's get started. Hello. Hey, Dan. Good to see you again. Yes, well. Welcome to the Happier Life Project, Dan Hancock, aka the Mental Health PT. How are you doing? Thanks so much for having me. Uh, doing very well. You are kicking off the first episode of 2024. 
We're going in strong. And that's because, well, let's talk about you, first of all, and your business, your business being the mental health and exercise coaching, the first method of its kind transforming the fitness industry by using exercise as a tool to promote positive mental health and just to kind of elaborate on that a bit further and I've gotten this off your website the concept of mental health and exercise coaching was envisioned in 2018 by mental health and exercising coach or MHEC owner Dan Hancock back when he was a personal trainer on the gym floor of a commercial gym chain he was frustrated that everyone coaches clients and gyms alike were focused purely on body image goals yet no one seemed to be getting any happier and nobody seemed to want to get to the crux of the issue and I thought that was a great place (laughs) to kick off not just the episode but the new year because this is when gyms are incredibly busy first of all so you've sounds like seen it all done it all And yeah, what have you seen, I suppose, first of all, what have you observed? What inspired you to rework, I suppose, the fitness industry in terms of like everybody knows exercise and movement is good for mental health, but yet that's not why they do it. It's more seen as a Brucey bonus, right? It's more for cosmetic, aesthetic reasons that people want to to train. Yeah, absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head. So essentially the... Exercise is one of the best tools, if not the best tool, to improve our mental health. There was a recent huge meta-analysis. So it was over basically over 1,000 studies. They combined and they look at the results and they found that exercise was 1.5 times more effective at treating or managing poor mental health and mental illness than therapy or medication alone. Yet, if you were to you know train as a personal trainer... Mm. mental health isn't mentioned once in the qualifications that you need to go and you know work on the gym floor and it's got the term personal for a reason you know it's it's a very personalized approach and yet coaches are you know basically putting people's health in their hands people's lives in their hands yet they're not equipped mm-hmm. to deal mm. with one of the main reasons why people are coming to exercise mm. so you know it started from a place of frust- frustration for myself you know I was having these sessions and I had this like huge desire to want to help people you know exercise had been a gift to me and I wanted to share that gift with other people and that's one of the main reasons why people actually become a personal trainer exercise has helped them therefore they want to help other people and yeah. yes I realized that I absolutely was not equipped whatsoever to be able to deal with the complexities of human behavior to be mm-hmm. able to deal with the emotional reasons why people want to exercise or feel like they can't exercise or get a result and it was just becoming increasingly obvious that people were coming to me with a lot more complex issues you know someone may come to me you know the traditional most common reason for someone reaching out would be I want to lose weight I want to lose fat I want to change my body image Mm -hmm. they send you a picture of an influencer saying help me look like this but when you peel back the layers I'm not necessarily saying this is a negative motive but it's nothing to do with that it's to do with low confidence low self-worth a lack of identity confusion over their identity and um, mm-hmm. body image issues body dysmorphic disorder and all these things that are underlying so it was born out of frustration mm-hmm. and um, luckily you know for us now people as soon as we announced what we were doing and we were going to be training up personal trainers to be able to help their clients with their mental health everyone was like ah oh, right this makes sense. Mm. So that happened a few years ago now. 
And um, yeah, we're, we're well on our way to transforming the fitness industry. Yeah, and I want to go a bit more into that because I think it sounds like incredible work. Again, being January, very early January, and it's this new year, new me. Let's talk about like goal setting. And like you touched upon, most of them are, I want to drop X amount of pounds. I want to get shredded. Um, but it might not necessarily be the crux of, of the issue. It is maybe something underlying, such as low self-esteem. And so perhaps sometimes if they do lose the weight or do gain the muscle or whatever the, the goal is, then that does give the self-esteem a boost. But then is that a short-term fix? What happens if in order to get this body... For example, I uh, recorded earlier this week a couple of episodes with a sports nutritionalist called Rini McGregor, and we were talking about orthorexia. Obsessive working out is as much as a pro- of a problem for orthorexics as the, the clean eating and the restriction diets. And she gave Davina McCall as an example of somebody she said in her own words clearly had orthorexia because she was addicted to exercise She's released a book on completely eliminating sugar. And yet she made me think about the people looking at Davina going, she looks incredible. I want to look like her. But then it's so unachievable unless you have got the luxury of three hours a day that you can dedicate to exercising like that. And you have maybe got access to somebody that can help you with the cooking or whatever it's kind of setting yourself up for failure, isn't it, as well? So have you seen a lot of that too? I'd imagine so. Uh, absolutely. It's interesting, actually. So there's a new coined term now, above orthorexia, which is healthy orthorexia, which is basically individuals um, who, again, they'll obsessively track their calories, they'll obsessively cut out foods, they'll obsessively exercise but people actually think that that's healthy. So it's got the term healthy in front of it. And it's absolutely not because it's one of the Ooh. biggest predetermining factors to obsessive compulsive disorder, body dysmorphic disorder and eating disorders. Mm. The, the issue is, Gabby, that say, for example, imagine you reached out to me as a coach and you said, Dan, I want to you know, drop weight, then I'm going to be happy. I want to change my body shape and I'm going to be happy. If I was to turn around to you and say, right, okay, well, how about I help you become the happiest, most confident, most self-assured, most energetic, you know, version of yourself that you've ever been, right? Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll give you all of these desirable traits, characteristics, lifestyle behaviors that are going to make you the happiest you've ever been, right? Mm -hmm. But here's the catch. I don't change the way that you look. Would you still accept that? And would you still want that? Oh, now I'm scared to answer. Well, the answer um, is... No, go on, tell me what the answer is. <laughs> the answer is that of all of you know the available research that we've got, pretty much everyone would say yes. They would take mm-hmm. all of those um, lifestyle changes, traits, internal happiness without changing the way that they look. So what that tells us then is actually looking a certain way isn't the true goal. That's what individuals think is going to make them happy. So if they're coming, you know, from a place of low self-worth, insecurity, low confidence, which we'll face it, most people do. A lot of people, you know, struggle finding their way in the world with imposter syndrome and um, Mm -hmm. they end up criticizing their body because they don't like where they are in life. 
But if they've just answered that question and showed, well, actually, you know, it's nothing to do with the way that I look. I just want to be happy and confident. When they go and set a body image goal as their goal, Mm. What then happens is because that's not actually their true goal, the true goal is to be happy, confident, experienced, love, they're therefore not going to be as motivated to achieve it. Therefore, they're more likely to skip sessions. They're more mm. likely to fall out of love with the gym. They're then more likely to feel guilty and feel ashamed about their exercise journey, which ends up increasing you know, prob- problematic relationships with exercise and nutrition. So the issue that we have is, is that we live in, a, live in a materialistic world and everyone is told, you know, these celebrities, these supermodels, these influencers are happy because they look a certain way. People mm. think that that's what's going to make them happy. But ultimately, looking a certain way is what's known as an extrinsic goal. So an extrinsic goal is something external. It's, you know, a reward, an achievement. It's getting some sort of praise. And... Body image goals mm. fit into that. What we want individuals to be able to do is exercise for intrinsic reasons, which is the she- exercising for the sheer love of exercise, exercising because they enjoy it, it makes them feel mm. good. And what ends up happening is because then there's not this obscure materialistic goal, these individuals mm. are more likely to exercise because they want to, not because they feel that they have to. Exercise is seen as a privilege rather than a punishment. And they're more likely to stick to it because they love it, be consistent to habituation and achieve their goals so the issue then is that majority of people are exercising for the wrong reasons and in january in particular 95 percent of new year's resolutions are fitness related mm. yet only 10 percent of these people will last past month three and it's because majority of the time there's lots of other factors but majority of the time it's because they haven't set the right Mm, so interesting so then in terms of like the exercise itself is it still the same type of exercise but it's just the motivation behind why you're doing it is different yeah absolutely it's a great question so ultimately exercise doesn't matter it doesn't matter it's whatever you do that you enjoy whatever you do that you enjoy. And I say this sometimes to some coaches and and clients and lots of different people, and it's kind of like a light bulb moment, but it just kind of makes sense. It's like majority of the time people treat exercise as a means to an end. I have to exercise to do this. And Mm -hmm. anything that's a means to an end that you're not actually, you know, really wanting to do, of course you're not going to stick to it. You know, if you you love podcasting, you love hosting. If you hated it, you're not going to stick to it, are you? And it's Mm -hmm. the exact same thing with exercise. So ultimately the goal is one, exactly what you said there, for individuals to find the real goal that they can work towards, the real kind of core driving motivator, which is always deeper than body image. You know, it's body image is surface level for a reason. We want to get deeper. And then it's simply, sounds so simplistic, but finding a form of exercise that they absolutely love, you know, so if the only time they can work out is at six in the morning, they're not going to have to be dragging themselves out of bed being like, oh, you know, I can't even be bothered doing this, but I have to because I yeah. want to drop X amount of pounds. It's no, you know what? I can't wait. This exercise makes me feel great. It makes me feel empowered. It makes me feel inspired. It makes me feel amazing afterwards. I exercise to improve my mental health. Therefore, boom, I'm just going to get up and go. What if, even if you do want to exercise for 
let's say mental health reasons to improve yourself there what if it's still a slog because i'm thinking winter months it's really dark i i say this with my own experience i signed up to like a an app that did these programs and it was like get, i just cannot go to sleep before midnight i just can't so i was having to get up at six to train and i was like kill me now and then and then the rest of the day was ruined because i hadn't had enough sleep but i was setting my alarm and i was literally dragging myself out and it got to the point where i was like you know what i'm going to do these on catch up later in the day because my sleep is also incredibly important for my physical and mental health and it's like i can't change i can't go to bed at 9 p.m i just can't it's not how i'm wired but like that motivation to get up, everybody struggles with, I think. Maybe bar people like, uh, do you even struggle with it? I'm- oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, there's, there's a couple, of, so it's a great question. Again, there's a couple of different factors that play into this. So look, obviously, we're not all going to be able to just roll out of bed and you'll be full of energy and be like, boom, we want to go. So the, the yeah. most important things are the things that I've discussed already. Like if you love it, if like you really love it, you know it's going to benefit you for the rest of the day. And it's became this thing that you feel like you can't live without, but in a healthy way. That's the first thing. That's going to help you get up in the morning and, and get up and go or whenever you decide that you want to exercise. The other reason why some people can't be fully consistent with it is, is simply because it's not been ingrained as a habit yet. So on average, it takes 66 days to build a habit. So an average about 66 days to build a habit. Now, obviously, this can vary depending on what the habit is. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people who will really struggle to be able to get up and go and exercise, it's actually got nothing to do with the exercise. Exercise is blamed because that's the thing that seems difficult, right? But mm. it's not actually exercise that diff- that's difficult. It's the fact of switching into the new habit. It's the fact of allowing your brain to switch direction. That's what the difficult thing is, because essentially it's just not being conditioned or ingrained enough to be able to make that happen. And then what ends up happening is once that, on average, 66 days has passed, then it's actually going to be easier than not doing it that you know that's when your body clock will start to wake you up that's when there's lots of other factors in play as well but i think what's really important as well is it's not necessarily a lot of people think that like discipline dedication consistency resilience is about showing up every single day and it's absolutely not i would classify those things as actually knowing when to rest exactly like what you said there knowing when to lie in knowing when actually you know what i'm not going to go to the gym today because i feel like i have to do and i'm putting pressure on myself For my mental health today, not going is probably better so that I'm not becoming Mm. obsessive with it. So being adaptable is key as well. Getting up and listening to your body and knowing, is it an excuse? Am I letting myself off the hook? Or is my brain or my body sending me signals that I should be listening to to rest? Mm. So then what about for people listening that perhaps are overweight and that have, you know, maybe had a warning from the doctor and that do need to lose some pounds and do need to get moving in that respect then the motivation as well as the mental health would be the physical health too right because there will be yeah there will be some people that are listening that be like I know I need to lose weight this is all you know the mental health stuff great but also like for my physical health I could have a heart attack if I don't do something about this you know Yeah, absolutely. So again, it's what we need to look at is we need to look at all dimensions of health as as one. So 
if we've got mental health, a lot of people will just see mental health and they'll think of emotional health. But actually, when it comes to mm. mental health, it's an umbrella that will encompass physical health. It will cover um, encompass emotional health, but also intellectual, social, spiritual, environmental and occupational health. So these are all seven dimensions of health. So essentially, if you were to become sick in any way whatsoever, normally, if it's um, an environmental thing or a social thing, it will be because of one of these markers of health something has deteriorated in your life obviously mm. you know we've got pre um, predetermined and preconditioned things that can be genetic but a lot of the time it's because of the environment or socially something's kind of went wrong and essentially when it comes to so there's these seven dimensions of health now this is where a lot of people get confused because when it comes to weight and body composition Weight and body composition are only one aspect of physical health. So you've got lots of other different mm. aspects of physical health. And in fact, there's actually seven. So if you can imagine weight and body composition as one aspect of physical health, we've got these in a line here. And then out of all of those aspects of physical health, physical health is only one out of seven overall health dimensions, if that makes sense. So it's actually mm -hmm. quite a small percentage and it's not to dismiss it or to discredit it or to suggest that, you know, your weight isn't of paramount importance. Of course it is. You know, we want to put less pressure on the heart. We want to make sure that like your cardiovascular system is working really well. We want to make sure there's less strain on the joints. So physical health is vitally important. But actually when it comes to weight, weight is the thing that's predominantly linked to poor mental health, but it's actually only a small percentage of it. So what we do is we just focus on everything. You know, you focus on the individual as a whole and it's in absolutely no way to suggest that, you know, weighing yourself can't be healthy in some scenarios. If you have to lose weight, obviously that's something that you should monitor and you should track. But actually when it comes to the vast majority of individuals, including individuals that may be struggling with obesity, taking into account the social, environmental and mental factors isn't yeah. just important for their overall health but it's also one of the key indicators to why they may struggle to lose weight in the first place, if that makes sense. So mm. again, I'm I'm going to butcher the study. So this is 100% me not pathologizing, and this is me not to suggest that individuals struggling with obesity um, will have had to have you know, been through something traumatic. I'm not suggesting that whatsoever. But it's a very, very high percentage of individuals who really, really struggle with obesity that may have experienced an adverse childhood experience or may potentially even have less dopamine receptors in the brain, meaning that they're more likely to get dopamine, which is a pleasure response through food, which mm. suggests that it can be a lot more of an impulsive thing as opposed to right you just need to go in and move more and drop your calories from a physical standpoint hopefully that that makes sense and yeah it's absolutely not to discredit the losing weight standpoint it's mm. just that we need to look at the bigger wider picture all the time yeah no totally i mean it makes me think of like stress eating and comfort eating it's an emotional or you know mental problem there isn't it that's making you reach for the packet of biscuits and not stopping at one for example gosh it's making me think like a few things in terms of you and what you're doing when i think about people who let's say treat or look after somebody with a mental health problem or an emotional problem they're usually a qualified therapist and then people that sign up to go to the gym, like, I mean, cause I think about this, I've done two 
200 hour teacher trainings for um, yoga because I'm passionate about yoga went to India for nine weeks and people keep saying to me so when are you going to teach when are you going to teach and I'm like in 200 hours you I cannot knowing what I know about yoga I don't feel like I could do it justice like I have so much more to learn and I can't help but think that that is mirrored with the PT certificates that you can get as well that you can get something that calls you a PT but the difference between a PT that gets that certificate versus the person that I'm speaking to now that knows all this stuff about the mental and emotional side of health, as well as it makes me think there's not enough of yous. And I know that you're aiming to change that, right? Because that's why you've set up this qualification and training program yourself. Yeah. If you just want to kind of pick up where I'm leaving off here, like how do we find more reviews and tell us more about the work that you're doing to sort of bridge this gap? Because it's like you have to be on top of your game physically, but also, you know, really know your stuff mentally to be able to give somebody the kind of support that in an ideal world, if you're going to pay X amount of money for, you're, like you said, getting to the root cause. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the term that you used there was so key. It was this, this bridging the gap. And that's what it is. And look, we've got multiple different sectors for multiple different reasons. Okay. And there's a reason why therapists and counselors need to go and study a degree, put in the hours of work um, in order for them to become qualified and safely support individuals. Right. There, there's an absolute, that's a necessity. That has to happen. But the issue is there's sometimes quite a lot of red tape as well. So say, yeah. for example, imagine I was coming to you, I'm struggling with my mental health, okay? And I've reached out, I've, I've built up the courage and the bravery to reach out to a local therapist, and that's you in this scenario. Now, although you would have these incredible set of skills, and I promise I'm not dismissing or discrediting the work of therapists, counsellors, because it's life-saving, but this is just an example. On top of all of your set of skills, I may be in that scenario just needing someone to relate to me. Because of a contract you've mm. signed as a licensed mental health professional, you wouldn't be able to say anything personal about your situation and relate. And I know that's not important always, but that means that sometimes there can be a disconnect. And this is why sometimes people will go into a doctor's surgery and reach out and they feel like there's no support. So there's no relatability there. Now, what's then really key is like what you said, it's about bridging this gap because there's so many people, I'll tell you a quick story, we were delivering the award of mental health and exercise coaching. So we were down in London, I believe this was about two years ago, and we were setting up in this venue to be able to put, you know, another maybe dozen coaches through our award and to be able to train them up with all these skills. And the receptionist was getting a glass of water for us. And she pulled me into the kitchen and I was helping her out. And she said, oh, what is it that you're doing? And I explained to her quickly about what we were doing and her face just dropped. And I was like, are you, are you okay? And she said, one of her work colleagues that worked at this venue had taken their life by suicide a couple of weeks prior. Mm. And she turned to me and she said, but I couldn't do anything. You know, I, I, I'm not a counsellor. I couldn't help. Now, obviously, the first thing I did was give her a hug and, you know, make sure that she was all right. And I would never say this to her, but actually that's one of the biggest issues. You don't have to be a mental health professional. We've all got mental health. We can all talk about it. And yeah. sometimes that's not even advising. And one of the first things that we teach our coaches to do is basically just improving their, listeners, their listening skills, their human behavioral skills, their interpersonal mm. skills. Because there's so much that you can do without saying a word. 
which means that these individuals are going to feel safe to speak to you. One of the main issues isn't about individuals opening up to their their personal trainer. Isn't even to do with what does the PT do off the back of it. Obviously, we have to have clear referral networks and systems in place. But a lot of it is actually just being able to build that emotional connection with the client that a mm. lot of personal trainers do not have. Because it's all about the, what were your steps this week? Did you stick to your calories, right? We're going to teach you how to squat this week without yeah. realizing that the gym floor is actually the perfect environment for someone to speak about their mental health because there could be trust there with the coach. They see them as a role model, therefore they want to confide in them. The chemical responses when you exercise, the serotonin is going to make you more optimistic, more likely to share, you know, mm. the environment because it's not a doctor's office. It's relaxed. You're standing side on as opposed to front on. So there's all these incredible reasons why individuals are actually opening up to their PTs now already. It's about giving the PTs, the, you know, the conversational and personal skills to be able to to handle that a little bit better so the great thing about that is although our role is serious you know we're taking on a lot more we're helping vulnerable individuals and it's not to be taken lightly but the great thing is is actually initially all we need to do is give them some safeguarding training mental health training help them to understand people better and then that gets the ball rolling and when it comes to the support that they can give so the great thing about what we're doing just now is so, I mean, we've got over 300 coaches just now. We've got close to about 320 now, which on one hand is huge. That's great for a couple of years. When it comes to the fitness industry as a whole, that's that's minuscule. It's Up absolutely the ocean, minuscule. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. How, lo- how long, sorry, just to cut you off there, but I'm just curious, mm-hmm. how long does the training program last? Like if we've got any PTs listening that might be interested in getting that training? Yeah, thanks for asking. So the award in itself lasts 12 months. Now, the reason that we've made it this way, as opposed to, you know, you can come along for a couple of weekends and learn, it's ultimately there's so much to teach. Similar to like what you said when it comes to like the yoga course. I mean, like 200 hours, it's a lot. But mm. ultimately, there's so much that we can mm-hmm. offer. Also, we want to make it as accessible as possible. And a lot of these coaches are busy and running their own business. So we don't want to, you know, bombard them with a really intensive course that lasts a couple of weeks and they've got no time to do anything else. We want to spread out that learning throughout the year. So the way that I like to frame it to PTs, so if there's any PTs listening, is that, yeah, you know, 12 months, it might seem like I want to get it done sooner, but do you want to get it done sooner? You know, surely you want to actually be able to know how to really help these people in a much deeper way. And also, it's not just about learning, it's about support. So all throughout the year, we're able to help the practical implementation, the integration, the day in, the day out, the issues that we can actually solve live for them as opposed to them having to do it on their own. And the other great thing about it is, and I don't actually know many other courses that do it this way, but we fought hard for it to be this way, a PT can start practicing immediately. So they don't need to wait till the end of the 12 months. They need to wait till the end of 12 months to become certified, but they can practice immediately because we were giving them all the support and the safeguarding education first. So they can start immediately. Mm, wow, that's amazing. And I love the fact that you hold space and, and that you highlighted the importance of like listening because I do think that sometimes 
doesn't get highlighted enough, you know. In fact, actually, in my my yogic studies, that was one of the things that we learned was to just hold space without projecting our opinion back. Even if it's with the best intentions, like we want to help, it's just actually sometimes all that person needs is like the space, you know, to release because otherwise it might end up being misdirected and going somewhere else or you end up confiding with a loved one and then they project and it's not what you want to hear and blah, 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 you know yourself. Going back to this time of year, January, and it's, um, you know, known as the most depressive time of the year. In terms of like the advertisements and the promos for the diet plans, for the gym packages, um, and we've talked again about how this is not, necessarily the healthy option but like it's easy to get sucked in isn't it via social media in particular what are some of them the more harmful things that you've seen what are some of the red flags that we should be looking out for because I'm not saying that we shouldn't if we want to get healthier if that's a great goal to have but like how do we make sure that we just don't get sucked into the wrong thing yeah and again it's a fantastic question and it's so key because look we want more people to be taking up exercise we want as many people as possible to be happy and healthy and moving and Mm. as it stands you might not believe this because you obviously love exercise i love exercise a lot of your listeners will love exercise but only 13 percent of the uk population exercises regularly one three one three one three i know right and this is then one of the issues. And a lot of people, again, think it's exercise that the issue is, but it's the barriers to exercise that are, that are some of mm, the issues. Some of the point. barriers, you know, gym anxiety, people getting put off exercise at an early age, whether it was PE in school. Say, for example, if you were to coach a client, imagine you were practicing your yoga and you had um, women over 65 come into your class, it's likely that they may, may not have even been have allowed to do PE in school uh, before an act was passed mm. um, in the UK. So there's so many different barriers to exercise, so many. Now, a lot of people put off exercise at an early age. So the issue when it comes to marketing is that most personal trainers are taught to share aesthetic body image goals now one of the first things that we've touched on there is actually that's not the real goal and we need to be able to be communicating with people in a deeper way because again like if you were to come to me and you're like dan i want to you know drop a few dress sizes i'm going to be happier that might be the case you looked at that might be and you might be more confident i'm sure that you would be but if you were putting far too much pressure on this and i said instead you know well actually you know how about you come and exercise so you can have more energy throughout the day so you can have more creativity when it comes to your work so um if you were a parent so you know you can be fit and healthy and set a good example for them those are the real reasons why people want to exercise Mm. so if you are seeing posts from pts online and they're just focusing on the aesthetic goal I'm not saying that it's a negative because you may simply have an aesthetic goal, but I would search for something or someone who's talking about something a little bit deeper, the real reasons, what you're going to achieve, the, you know, the lifestyle goals. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing to look out for. Another really important thing to look out for is when people are advertising a short time scale. We are conditioned to want everything like that these days aren't we you know you, mm-hmm. you turn on yeah. the tv you find a movie like that you need yeah. to order a new mic for the podcast you go online you order it like <laughs> that and uh, we expect results like that as well but ultimately i say this quote all the time 
imagine that you'd never been able to find a form of exercise that you enjoyed your whole life and you've been in a bit of a rut let's say for majority of your adult life okay if you walk deep into the woods for 12 years it's not going to take you 12 weeks to walk back out again and i'm not to suggest it will then take 12 years to you know get out of the woods but ultimately people still view exercise as quick fix we need to realize that ultimately to make long-term sustainable maintainable changes no it's not going to take years and years but if you want to get real, real results, you need to dedicate more time to it and realize that it's not a quick fix. It's a lifestyle change. It's not a means to an end. And it's all about, you know, the journey as opposed to the destination. So mm-hmm. watch out for people advertising quick fixes, shred programs, anything where they've mentioned, you know, six to 12 weeks, anything like that. Just please avoid that because ultimately these coaches are wanting you to drop loads of weight in a short space of time so they can advertise it. Mm. Then based on advertisements not saying avoid the body image things but just look for the deeper context that they're sharing behind it but the most important thing is look when you follow people online go with the person that you connect with because ultimately one of the main reasons that clients leave pts is because they don't have a strong emotional connection with this coach if you're going to be learning from this coach if you're going to be putting your health in their hands if you're going to potentially be spending a couple of hours a week with them, you have to like them. You have to have the same values as them. You have to share interests with them. So go with the person that you think that you connect with on a deeper emotional, even spiritual level. And you're not going to go far wrong with that. Would it be reasonable then if I'm calling up my local gym and I say I, I, I'm looking for a, a PT to work with maybe a couple of times a week would it be reasonable to say this is who I feel like I would gel with or, you know, just so you're kind of getting a bit more of a match because some PTs might be more aggressive than others. Some might have some of your ways of thinking in terms of making sure it's a 360 approach to health, but then others it might not. Because I do feel like there is still a lot of gym intimidation, isn't there? So like, it might just be a hurdle getting picking up the phone and actually getting through to somebody. Can we be asking more for what we we want versus like this is what we get when we sign up? Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And look, it may take a little bit of trial and error. In, in the same way, if anyone has sought mental health advice, a lot of it will be rare that someone has just hit the ground running with the first therapist that they've ever spoken to. Sometimes it takes a little bit of trial and error. And look, Mm. the exercise just needs to become a lot more accessible. So the issue with going to a gym, even if you have the courage to go to a gym, you know, I think it's like around 50% of non-gym goers don't go because they find the gym really scary. And then 67% of people with gym memberships don't even go. So there's that gym anxiety at play. One of the issues is that, right, there's not many industries in the world that revolve around multiple people running a business in competition with one another, working underneath another business. (laughs) That doesn't really happen because you've got the gym, and that's the business. Yeah. And then you've got multiple people trying to run a business underneath that. There's right. very rare you'll see that. You'll maybe see it tattoo parlors, for example, or maybe 
hairdressers. You'll have multiple people running a business underneath that business, right? So what that breeds is a toxic environment, a lot of competition. It's me versus you. Imagine me and you are on the gym floor with one another. I'm not speaking to you in the staff room because, you know, you're my competition. I'm not, you know, <laughs> telling you about Does this. Does this happen? You know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So that's one of the issues with contacting a gym itself is because there's this environment where, you know, it's dog eat dog, you don't know who to choose. But mm. honestly, it may sound just really simple, but the best thing you can do is you go into a gym, you join the gym, you look at the trainers and you just see who's giving the genuine, who is giving 100% of their attention to their client as opposed to sitting on their phone, who is smiling, who is engaging, try and listen to some of the conversation. Are they talking about really important meaningful stuff as opposed to you know the the kind of the generic physical stuff and go do your research go follow them on social media you know if they're i was about to swear there if they're acting (laughs) if they're (laughs) acting in a way that doesn't align with your values on social media then they're probably not for you see what sort of life they have outside of work if all they do is talk about work in the gym they may be obsessive. Use that, you know, as a clue. Instead, follow the uh, look towards the people that are actually showcasing that they have a life outside of work, and you know, you're bought into their value. So, that's mm-hmm. the most important thing. And and if you were to then sign up with a coach, pay real attention to the things that they're asking you before you sign up. So that process of trying to sign up, are they just trying to sign you up as a client or are they really invested in finding out about you, your support network? you know, your real goals? What sort of questions are they asking you? Or are they just, you know, saying, here's a link and trying to get Mm -hmm. you to sign up? So yeah, there's lots Mm -hmm. of things we can do to be extra vigilant. And what about the 320 odd people that have got your qualification? How do we find them? Because maybe that would be a good place to start, especially for, for the type of listeners that we get that might have their struggles in the mental health department. So what we are currently working on is we are currently working on a database. So essentially what we are hoping to be able to build in 2024, just because, again, we're still, in the, we're still in our infancy when it comes to this. Essentially, if you were to go on myemhex.com, you would be able to click search for a trainer. And essentially, you would be able to put in your location, whether you want to work online or one to one, and maybe put in a couple other things when it comes to your goals or what you want this individual to specialize in. The algorithm will then work out and then they'll be able to suggest the coach for you. So that's something that we're going to be working on in 2024. When it comes to finding it in general, it's essentially it's a case of just going to your local gym and approaching them and seeing whether they have a mental health and exercise coach in-house. And the good thing about all of our coaches is we try to get all of them to put on their Facebook pages, their website, their Instagram profiles, that they're a mental health and exercise coach, whether they're a trainee or whether they're certified. So it is a little bit at the moment kind of just going and exploring and finding out, but we want to make that process a lot simpler for the individual looking to hire an MHEC coach moving forward. Right. Do your homework, basically, is what I'm getting from that. Um, this is from Chloe, our social media girl. She would like you to share three ways exercise can help your mental health. Cool. First things first, I'm going to go for a chemical response. So essentially, when we exercise, we release something called serotonin. It's a happiness hormone. Serotonin is known to improve our productivity, our sense of self, our self-worth. It makes us happier, essentially. So if we can exercise, there is an undeniable chemical response that takes place in our brain that is going to make us happier. It's as simple as that. And that happiness is going to carry on throughout the day. Another response that happens is we get a dopamine response. So dopamine is a pleasure response. It's more short-lived. 
but dopamine is used for energy, focus, motivation. So if we're getting that response, you're more likely to be focused throughout the day. If you were to exercise before filming this podcast, you're going to be more on the ball. You're going to see things more clearly, greater clarity. Another response is you're going to de-stress as well. So exercise is great in the sense of it's putting stress on your body, but it also regulates your nervous system because you're connecting with your body, because you're connecting with your breath you'll know this as a yoga teacher, we're able to regulate our nervous system and we're actually able to lessen the the cortisol response in our body and we're therefore able to see the day with more calm, composure. So all these incredible things happen when we exercise. Amazing. We've basically run out of time. Can't let you go until we do the Happy Life Project's last five in five. So these are quick fire. Are you ready? I'm ready. Go for that. Okay. When and where are you at your happiest? Okay. Work-related when I'm teaching, when I'm presenting to people, and outside of work when I'm out with my fiancé walking my dog. What's your favourite thing to do that nourishes your mental health? Running. What piece of advice do you now know that you wished somebody would have told you earlier that would have made you a happier person? Mm, don't care what anyone thinks now you should obviously care what some people think but don't let that hold you back so many people don't do what they want to do because they're too worried about thinking what other people think so many people are so scared to express their own identity because they're scared what other people think so don't care about what anyone thinks if you're worried about what people think and they would judge you they aren't the people that you should be caring about anyway so just be you put yourself out there there's nothing bad that can happen from it it's only going to help you grow love that what is the most important one thing that needs to change to make the world a happier place Mm, god it's going to sound a bit preaching like spiritual isn't it but just see what other people do that you think is wrong see that within yourself because that's the reason why we have so much judgment for one another as we disagree with them. Ultimately, if we were to see other people as human beings and see the flaws within them that we actually hold within ourselves, there's going to be less judgment, there's going to be less hatred, there's going to be less discrimination. And um, So look inward as opposed to projecting outward. Oh, wow, love that. Uh, finally, what is a simple, actionable first step we can take when it comes to incorporating movement and or fitness for our mental health that will help us on our journey to building a happier life. Mm, I love that. Okay, so, right, this is an actionable step, but it's not you even physically having to take action. It's just something for you to be aware of and for you to think about. People think that exercise feels unnatural. We were born to move. Our brain was designed to move our body. That's the sole purpose of the human brain is to help us move our body. We were literally born to move. The reason that our arms are shaped this way, the reason that our legs are shaped this way is because through evolution, we have been born to run and to move. It is not unnatural. It is literally the most natural thing that we can do. The only reason it feels unnatural is because you haven't got your body accustomed to it yet. So, Think about this before you take up an exercise journey. You were literally born to move. It is the most natural thing that you could possibly do. It's just a case of finding that form of movement that you love. Oh, what a fantastic way to wrap up the episode. 
Dan, thank you so much. You've been an incredible guest. I, I'd love to get you back on sometime because I think this is really going to resonate. So for more on you, on Instagram, you are Mental Health PT and your website is mymhec.com, which is mental health. Yeah. Exercise coaching. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Mymhec.com. Just wanted to make sure people get that. This has been awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier Life Project with me, Gabby Sanderson. Now for the important housekeeping. If you are suffering with your mental health, there is a crisis button on the My Possible Self app, which will signpost you to the correct information for immediate expert advice. If you're listening on one of the podcast platforms, the My Possible Self app is completely free to download. You can access all of the content and you don't need to worry about it costing you anything. The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the interviewer, which is me, and the interviewees. The content of this podcast should not be considered as a substitute for professional or medical advice. The Priory Healthcare are not involved in the production or content of this podcast. If you found this episode helpful and you wouldn't mind sharing or maybe giving us a review, that always goes very much appreciated. And to find and follow us on social media, we are at My Possible Self and I've been at Radio Gabby. Do take care and I'll see you on the next one. Bye for now.